Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. You're connected to the All Songs Considered Plus One podcast today with members of Explosions in the Sky. There's new music from Explosions in the Sky, their first album of non-soundtrack songs in five years. It's called The Wilderness. The sound on this record stretches the already expansive sound of this instrumental guitar band from blissful and emotional to mind-bending and downright scary, but it wasn't easy. Frankly, the day before the album was done, we didn't think we'd have an album. That's Munaf Rayani, and he and fellow guitarist Michael James are at KUT, the wonderful public radio station, in their hometown of Austin, Texas. Rob and Hilton and I are here in Washington, D.C., and we wondered how the 16-year-old band managed to shift their sound. How'd they do it? Munaf Rayani picks up the story. So we spent two weeks recording the album, and the day before our last day, we were pretty certain that the album would not be finished, not only that particular recording session, but ever. Um, And we were pretty down on the whole thing. And then the next day we went in, and a couple of new ideas were thrown around about how to fix the problems we had. And then about three hours later, we had solved those problems, changed a few seemingly minor things, and all of a sudden we were finished and we loved the album. Um, was it, it really that quickly. Was it songs, some song structure or flow of the record? What, was, what, what could there be was fixed a little that bit quickly? Of, well, there was a little bit of both of that. There was in particular a track that was giving us a lot of trouble. And we just collectively were very unsure if this had a place on the album, but without it, it left a big hole. And so we kind of went home that night and thought about it, talked a lot, came back and started to dissect it and pick out what we do like about this song. And there was maybe one melody in it. So we stripped everything away, slowed the melody down, and then rewrote the rest of it. What song is that? It was Infinite Orbit. Infinite was the name Orbit. of that song. Um, and then the, uh, there was another song that was having a similar problem in that there was a lot going on with the song, and it just wasn't working. We didn't know why. So John Congleton, the guy who you know uh, recorded the album and helped us produce this album, he said, you know what, let's just take it back to its bare bones and just left, I think, two elements out of what was maybe 15 tracks. Um, and as we heard that, we realized that that's what was good about this song. And we very slowly put just a few more um, elements on top of it. This song, that, that song's called The Landing Cliffs. It's the last song on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, it changed the entire feel of the song. And for us, that changed the entire feel of the album. So finishing up Infinite Orbit and Landing Cliffs made us appreciate the rest of the album as a whole, whereas before we were totally unsure of it. Yeah, the, the inconsistency in our minds of the album was too present until we made these changes and then all of a sudden they were all on the same frequency. And then we loved it. And then we loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me play a little bit of Infinite Orbit, the shortest song on the record I might mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Mm-hmm. 
I'm curious when you all go into a studio, when you think about it's time to make a new record, do you actually have a conversation about this music? We have numerous conversations about it <laughs> for years. What for years, <laughs> nothing but talk. Yeah. It's true. Like yeah. what? What would, be, what would be the conversation? What did you want to accomplish for this record? What would... Well, that's where we start. Yeah. That's where we start to yeah. ask each other, okay. what, 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 do, what do we want to write? What are you hearing? What do you feel? And then we kind of go through what we've already done, you know? In our minds, we wrote an album about war. In our minds, we wrote an album about love. In another one, we wrote about loneliness and longing. So what else are we exploring or reaching for or searching for? And where are we now? And then we kind of just looked up to each other and said, space! <laughs> that's where we'll go, yeah. and that and was kind of that was kind of the metaphor for the fact that this was going to be an album about searching. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't know, we didn't have uh, an answer right away. What is this album supposed to be? So let's go look for it, and that's what the album eventually became um, about: was the search for Absolutely. something, something new, something different, uh, something inside yourself, something outside yourself, just the search into the wilderness. And once we start having these conversations and figuring out where each of our mind is, it allows for melodies to start to present themselves or beats to kind of show themselves and, and passing those back and forth and then sitting in the practice space and cultivating them and nurturing them to hopefully music starts forming you know at first it's just a bunch of noise <laughs> and then it starts to find a focus and we feel this energy and and then just follow that what was the first and song that uh, that came out of conversation first, first performance i believe it was the wilderness the first song on the, the album. first track yeah wilderness um appropriately that was the title yeah right yeah, yeah strangely and appropriately it that was the one that just kind of had this you know, a sound that was sort of new that we hadn't heard before from ourselves or from anyone else, but that still felt like us. It still had the emotional kind of resonance that we really want our songs to have while still being kind of weird, um, putting you maybe on your back foot a little bit if you have an expectation of what this new album's going to sound like. Let's hear a bit of uh, The Wilderness, which starts off in this beautiful pulse. definitely feel this sense of yearning in the music or, or searching or seeking like you're talking about do you it, but to hear you guys talk about how how these songs come together it sounds like you're guided more by feeling than thought and I'm wondering like I feel a story unfolding when I listen to this record but I'm wondering if you have any specific narratives in mind with each song as you once you start working on the songs 
We have loose narratives to help us along and to kind of lead one another in a direction, but there is no absolute story. I mean, this is something that we've talked about throughout the the run of our musical career and instrumental music in general. I mean, we could absolutely tell you word for word what the story is, but you can easily turn that around and make it as you wish. I mean, that's the power of instrumental music. It's it's left to your own imagination. So this time around, we had a little bit more broader strokes. Nothing so detailed that, well, this is exactly this. When in previous albums, we did do that. And um, so even doing that for ourselves allowed our imaginations to run a little further. So there are narratives, but nothing so specific that I could tell you. It would be better that you told me. <laughs> yeah, I'd say on this album, far more than the other albums, we, we really wanted that, um, I know, a sense of things not being fully explained to you. Whereas I think previously, we, when we were writing a song, we had an idea, this is a sad song or this is an uplifting song. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we were intentional, I know in fact that we were intentionally staying away from those very easy uh, labels for ourselves. You know, maybe the song doesn't really tell you how it's supposed to make you feel. Um, and in that way, you get to decide how it makes you feel, which is more personal uh, and kind of more interesting. Absolutely, I agree with that 100%. And, and it also makes for some nice surprises in these songs. There's some unexpected turns in them I really love. That's great. That's exactly what we wanted. It exactly. Really That's one, those were one of the things that we were really shooting for, is that when you thought we were going to go right, we went left. <laughs> when, you know, this far into a musical career or any career, somebody might say, like, oh, they're predictable. Oh, I know what they're going to do next, you know? And like I said, that's not just kind of exclusive to us. You might say that about your favorite filmmaker or writer or so on. Uh, and it's not just exclusive to the audience. It happens to us as well. Mm -hmm. We say, oh, I know exactly where this song's supposed to go. And we try it and, it, and it's perfect, and it hits. And then we say, okay, throw that away. Yep. You know, it's time to try a new way to finish this particular thought. Because we've been a band for 16 years. We can finish each other's thoughts, mm -hmm. not just in speaking, but in music. And we just wanted to find a new way this yeah. time, you know? And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but um, again, it was just that search, that searching for something new for us. So are you in a rehearsal space, guitars cranked and drums there, and you just, somebody just starts playing something? Have, do sometimes. Pe do people uh, have ideas that they want to bring and they just start playing it? How do, take yeah, me, through well, a, the, take me through a song. In the new world of the internet and computers and what have you, that we can write these melodies in our own rooms, marinate on them for a minute, and then send them out to each other mm -hmm. and say, hey, fellas, well, I, I came up with this run of notes. See what you think and see if we can go anywhere with this. And then everybody writes emails and messages to each other, text messages. We call each other. We see each other every day because we live blocks away from each other. And then Where's once that? we decide... Sorry? Where, where, where is that exactly? I mean, not, I don't types. need your address. Specifically. I'm on, I'm yeah, on my way. Um, <laughs> it's uh, 123 what Cuckoo Street, Austin, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Michael lives. Uh, no, but we all live uh, in, the, in, um, in Austin, Texas, uh -huh. really close to each other, and it's quite lucky for that. Our practice space is in my backyard, so we all just walk over and kind of go into this room and start working on stuff. But before we get to that room, or at least on this last run, 
yeah, we handed melodies back and forth and then brought those to the practice space and then tried to flesh them out and make full songs. What a good life. (laughs) It's a lucky life for sure. John Congleton in the past has been more of your sort of engineer, I'd say, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But not here. At what point uh, did you, well, you tell me, is John's role more producer here? It sounds like it from the top. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, for this album, we we, we made the decision fairly early on because John just started, he used to be just an engineer. That's all he wanted to do. He felt like that was where his talents, you know, were most useful. But as the years went on, I think just working with bands and being a great musician himself, he realized being a producer and helping a band realize their vision, you know, and more than just setting up microphones and capturing a sound was something he was really suited to and really good at. And we just thought that his talents would be wasted if we didn't let him help us more in that way. But to say that, you know, he's recorded, I guess this is our fourth or fifth record together. Mm -hmm. He's on every one of our albums. You hear him, you know, he has a particular way of capturing sounds that come from the producer side of a brain even though he never carried that title officially he's Mm. always been there and not just with our records but the other records that he's worked on and there is a consistency so this time around we just put the hat on him and (laughs) and and shined a light and said all right john you've been weird this whole time let's get weird (laughs) (laughs) let's get weird man yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) and we did you know we we did we went into the studio this time usually we go into the studio and the album is 100 percent written and we just play the songs and record them and that's it whereas this time it was more like 85 percent written with some other question marks that we weren't you know some questions we weren't quite sure how to answer and when we got into the studio with John, we said, okay, these are the questions we need to answer. And he just became a part of the conversation as to how to solve these problems. And he was invaluable. And that was also a part of what Michael was saying just a little bit ago of that search. We went into the studio incomplete because we wanted to find it there. Mm-hmm. And we got lucky. Can we think of a, you mentioned at the top how he stripped things out of a song. Can we take a song and you tell us, pick, pick a song where you think we can have a conversation about uh, John's input. So wait, he changed something on this record that wouldn't have happened had he not been uh, wearing that particular hat on that particular day. Yeah, well, I think the song that we were discussing before Landing Cliffs, where he did strip everything away, was that was one of the biggest question marks. Um, mm-hmm. That song originally had a bass line and some drums and um, some other big changes and it just didn't work and we didn't know why it's it was that thing where it's like that sounds great that's so good but it's just not what we're trying to do here so you know we asked john what what would you do what do you hear and he said i i wouldn't do anything i'd do far less take a bunch of the stuff away and what we were left with was was a very spare track that uh was way more emotional and longing in its spareness than it ever could have been as a big uh, full band instrumental. I'll play a little.
the pace that the song is playing at. Yeah. It's such a, it's more of a stroll than a run, mm -hmm. in which what it, in, yeah. in what it was prior to us, and prior to John kind of messing with it a little bit, Michael and I were just kind of pantomiming to each other. There was, you know, pretty a, a pretty groovy bass line and this drum beat that shuffled and everything was just kind of pr being propelled forward. And you take all that stuff away and you just throw it down a well and then you get that sound <laughs> as it's falling down this well. <laughs> nice. Yeah, let's hear it just a tiny bit more. Can we geek out just a little bit about how you're making some of these sounds? Is this all entirely guitars? No. No, no, no. A lot of it is guitars, but there's plenty of, um, of what would you say, Mikey? Like Just sound manipulation. Yeah. Uh, you know, using, you know, kind of jumping the chasm on using the computer as a sound generating device mm -hmm. was hard for us because we've been a guitar band our entire career mm -hmm. um, but once we you know started playing around with all this amazing technology that's available today name some names. kind of I mean did uh, Ableton live yeah. uh, is it is an amazing program that I mark um, has almost every song he was able to just find some of those incredible sounds but was the guitar um, still the foundation is that what was going in and then you were tearing them really. apart no. For me, it was, and not mm -hmm. for all of us, but mm -hmm. yeah. But most of the songs started with something that was not just a guitar melody. They started sure. with, mm -hmm. you know, um, kind of computer-generated sounds or piano or something that was not just a guitar or a bass line to start the foundation. And it was a very interesting way to do it. And it re it required a lot of talking, mm -hmm. and it required a lot of arguing, mm -hmm. and <laughs> it really did, you know, it was, it was, it was, was pretty... Was it philosophical? It would get that way, absolutely. Yeah. It would get very deep in those conversations of what kind of sound do you want to participate in, you know? And there was a lot of back and forth of, well, there is no exact sound to participate in. We're chasing good melody. Now, where that comes from... Doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter, really, yeah. You know, I mean... Uh, you might wish it to come from one place or another, or at least I did, you know, meaning the guitar or the piano or something really organic, something very real that you could put your hands on and play. I mean, I think maybe I was the biggest holdout with, with the computer world, but we were all pretty hesitant of how to apply it to Absolutely. this thing of ours because we all have that interest of it feeling very human very tangible you know we don't want to become an electronic band right we don't want it to be where you just hit play and the song plays on its own you know we want to kind of interact with these new technologies and it feel more human than robotic you know and robotic is too rude of a word because you know music comes from so many different places now so anyway writing these melodies on guitar which would be those kind of Oh, I see that coming. Back to what we were talking about being predictable. Oh, I see that coming. And so we would have a conversation about, man, this melody is strong, but what other instrument could we play it on? Or what other sound manipulation could we present it through? And these conversations got really deep and interesting, and the results were what we put onto these nine tracks. And, and in, in retrospect, it feels so good. And in, yeah, I was thinking that in the end, 
whoever is the last to hold out or the first to be inspired, when you hear a sound as a musician that you hadn't heard before, you just your ears perk up and react. Absolutely. I'd imagine that's got to be what some of what happened. Absolutely, that's exactly what happened because it's hard to deny an honest reaction. Right. You know, so no matter what it was that played the melody and it moved you or it gave you a little bit of jolt, well, then that's the feeling we have to chase. Because right. you, you could know? have an objection to, like, I'm not going to be one of those computer bands, but there's something undeniable about a sound that's just otherworldly or a sound you've never, ever heard in your life. As a sound person, as a person who's made sound for 15, 16 years in, in this band, it's got to be thrilling. It was very thrilling. For me, it was a notion of rather than resisting the natural progression of things that you kind of fall into a flow and then boy you start to appreciate melody in a new way wondering what this does to your live shows when when so much is created and the the sound is made in the studio like that it required an enormous amount of work yes (laughs) practice practice practice. instead of just plugging into our amplifiers now we have uh we have to have you know a synthesizer you know, synth generating something on stage. You know, we just played our first show of this tour this last Friday in Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the first time that we played these new songs live. And we had been practicing them for three months, every single day. Every single wow. day. Trying to get them to sound right, to sound... They can't sound exactly like they do on the album, um, but to get them to maintain the, you know, integrity of the sound that we made on the Absolutely, album. Right. And the intention that the song had on the album. And it a week before we were playing the shows they didn't sound right there was still a like wait a minute man are we going to be able to get up on a stage and present this to people it was a lot of experimenting with how to make these sounds live and how to and how to make it a performance you know there are things that you know you can just say well let's just hit play on a computer and let it play backing tracks but we were very wary of that it just seems like it's not a performance and Mm -hmm. You know, as much as this was a, a much more of a studio creation, when we play live, we're a, we want to be a live band. Mm-hmm. We want to perform the songs for people. So we found a way to do it, and we I think we're all extremely happy with how it turned out. Very much so. It was a it was a an, a pretty memorable experience the other night uh, to play in our hometown after a few years and with this new album and with these new techniques and new visions, and it translate. And I think they felt it because we felt it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, if I called this, which I did on, on All Songs Considered this week, I called this the best marijuana record since metal. <laughs> Would that nice. be insulting we'll to you? Nice, we'll take it. Not at all, man. <laughs> no, Any, that's Anything ex- you need compliment. to do to open the mental landscapes, I, I, it's, it's, <laughs> get it going and press play. It's such an adventure. The record is such a remarkable And sometimes, because there are such quiet, quiet moments, if you crank it up, the quiet moments to a normal listening level, those moments that aren't so quiet downright scary oh and unnerving absolutely uh you know that's and they say there can't be light without darkness if there's no shadows then you'll never see the light so you got to turn the whole thing up and experience the really you know sort of kubrickian terror that we're trying on some songs that we try if you really want to hear the more delicate parts and that's it's a challenge i think as a listener but it was something that we were okay making it challenging. I think challenging was something we were searching for. That's know? exactly what we were searching for. This record, by the time we hit a stride and we were writing what we were writing, and upon its completion, and then hearing it back for ourselves, there was no middle ground. If somebody says, 
man, I hated that record. I believe you. And if somebody says, man, I loved that record, man, I believe you. But if you were in the middle and said, I don't know, I heard it, it was kind of whatever, like you're lying. You know, <laughs> you know like you can hate it or you can love it. But I think that that's what we were kind of like really pushing for is that let there be no middle ground here. Either we commit or we don't. Mm -hmm. And we committed and this is what we came up with. I wonder if when you make music that actually has a sort of a frightening side to it, as music makers, can you actually scare yourself? You know what I mean? Like, like well, you can't. Absolutely. You yes. can. Oh, tell me. Yes. Because you wonder where that comes from inside of you. Yeah. You know, like, why do I want to make music that makes people want to crawl out of their skin? I don't know why. I don't know why I have that. Why do people make horror movies? I don't think they're all serial killers, but there's just something that makes you want to express some sort of feeling through this weird <laughs> art medium. And we have those inclinations. It's a little unnerving. I, th I think the brain is just a sponge, and it is soaking up all this stuff and spitting it back out, whether or not you're even aware of it. Absolutely. You know, like yeah, it's, it's the like, art imitating life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Kubrick. Are you Stanley Kubrick fans? I could imagine you watching some Kubrick films while you're I don't think on. we've ever seen one of his pictures. Mike, have you? I don't know. S Stanley? No, we're enormous, <laughs> enormous Stanley Kubrick yeah, yeah. fans. And to be honest, the movie 2001 was one of the biggest touchstones for us absolutely making this album yeah. we talked about it a few times and one of the songs exactly colors in space is a reference to the color tunnel the interdimensional color tunnel at oh. the end of 2001 yeah wow have you seen the the documentary room two two three two thirty seven? Yeah, all the theories about yeah. the shining. It's amazing. It's <laughs> yeah. so good. Uh, yeah. uh, the one about uh, Apollo, the Apollo moon landing, I thought was. I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love telling people that too. Like, <laughs> no, Kubrick was paid. Yeah, Kubrick was paid to <laughs> make the moon landing. Moon landing. How do you think he shot uh, Barry Lyndon? Exactly. Get those cameras you know? that could only pick up candlelight. Exactly. NASA. NASA. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Thank you all. Uh, Thank you, gentlemen. This great, was quite great nice. Great record. Thank you so much. Good luck with that. I can't wait to see you. Uh, you come to D.C. Uh, at some point in the not too distant future. And, uh, we will, will be there soon. Yeah, just yeah. a couple months' time. I will be there uh, levitating. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for this record, uh, too. This is Robin. I, I have to admit, when I first put it on, I was a little, like you said at the very beginning, like, okay, I know what explosions. I know what this is going to sound like. I, mm -hmm. I, I like explosions in this guy. I, I like the band, and I'm, I'm sure I'll like this. But then it was completely took me off guard. I was well. Honestly, blown that's, the, away. that's the best compliment that is we high could have praise. Received. Because if you knew us and you were already into us, and that's what we did for you on this go around, mission accomplished. Yeah. You know, we we did well, and it feels like we did well. And uh, the music means a great deal to us. And so, thank you guys for mean it meaning something to you. Yeah, I can't thank you enough for saying that. So, yeah. Well thank, done. Thanks, enough. My thanks, Michael. Thanks, Absolutely. KUT. Thank you. Yeah. Explosions in the Sky's new album, The Wilderness, is out April 1st. I'm Bob Boylan, along with Robin Hilton for NPR Music. It's All Songs Considered.
Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Delta Airlines, offering Delta Comfort Plus, including a wide selection of unlimited complimentary snacks and drinks. Delta aims to make your travel experience as easy and comfortable as possible, so you arrive refreshed and ready to take on the world. 